Okay, good luck. This week, we read about the journeys of the Jewish people from Egypt to arriving in Israel. And the Torah says that um, there were 42 journeys from Egypt to Israel. And the Baal Shem Tov taught that it's not just from Egypt to Israel, but there are 42 journeys in history from the time we left Egypt till the coming of Mashiach. There are also 42 journeys in every person's individual life, and also 42 journeys in every day. So in this process of journeying forward, there are a lot of things that may seem like setbacks and going backwards. But the Torah classifies our, our time going in, in the desert as as a journey. Although the Torah is listing the places we stopped, the Torah classifies them as journeying forward because from each place that we stopped, we advanced. It wasn't really a stop. It was really a place that brought us further. So on that note, I wanted to share a story we discussed this morning. Um, this uh, Mrs. Levinson, who was at yard site was this week, she was crippled and she somehow was able with, to reveal her neshama in a very unusual way in the challenges that she had. So she um, told her daughter that if God made her mother a cripple, it must be that that's what she needs in order to, uh, in her life, she needs her mother to be a cripple. That's what God decided for her. It must be that that's what she needs. So when she was 14 years old, her daughter uh, was 14 years old. So they went together during the riots in 1991 to Shul. Walking to Shul. And as they're walking, three thugs took away her mother's crutches. So her mother immediately says, there's an intent, there's a purpose, there's an intent of God why this is happening. I don't know what it is, but there's a kavana, there's a purpose. Let's go. Her daughter says, how can you go? What are you talking about? How can we go further? How can you walk? You're going to lose your balance. Her mother held on to her very tightly, and she started to walk. She walked about six or seven steps, and then she uh, called out to the boys. And she says, boys, I must thank you. He said, I always dreamed of walking myself to my own wedding, but I was too afraid. For 50 years, I have never walked myself. And because of what you've done, albeit not coming from a good place, I took a few steps just now. She said, boys, you did something out of meanness, which were senselessly, I want you to do something kind, senselessly as well. And the boys gave her back her crutches. Just to me, this story is a very powerful story and highlights the power of an Hashem, power of a Jew to overcome all obstacles and remain connected to Hashem no matter what's going on. So on that note, um, Rabbi Bulkovsky, who the Rebbe sent to Israel, uh, there was a group, a group of Hasidim here to Israel, and he said um, he's going to help everyone as much as he can.
Sarogluchovsky said that he had Ahina's wife have different blood types, and because of this, their children have a, a jaundice whenever um, they're born. They had seven boys. They uh, always had their, their always the circumcision is delayed because of the jaundice. There was uh, one child whose um, uh, Billy Rubin reached to nineteen. And the doctor said that if it reaches to 20, they're going to have to do a blood transfusion. Baruch Hashem, it, it stopped at 19.5, and then it'll do the circumcision. The next child who was born in Kaplan Hospital in Israel, um, within 24 hours of his birth, he, he got, had a bilirubin of 14, which is very high. It, it, it was clear that the, the, the boys, it was very dangerous. And so, although... Rabbi Gulkowski never thought to ask them for a blessing to have a, to have their circumcision on time. I don't know the source of this, but there's an, there's a saying going around that the previous Rebbe said that there's no reason to ask for a blessing to have a bris to have a circumcision on time. Although there is a there are others who have this custom of asking for a circumcision to be to be on time. Be'ita it was mana in its time. In, in, in its uh, appointed moment. Um, it's not our custom to say this. Why? Because the previous service said, the time for the circumcision is when the baby is ready, and when the moil, when the moil, the mohel is ready, and the baby is ready, that's the time for a circumcision. So there's no reason to ask to, for, to be exactly at eight days. That's what I heard the previous service say, in the name of the previous service. So, she so never asked ever for, for bracha. However, because it was going on, he was he right away wrote a letter to the Rebbe, asking for the Rebbe, the bris should be be'ita was mine. The bris should be at the right time. And immediately the Billy Rubin started to go down. Miraculously, it was the only child they had whose circumcision um, was able to be on time. One of his friends, who was the Gabai, in his synagogue, happened to be busy visiting. Um, New York at the time, and the Rebbe gave a blessing for he asked for a blessing um, for his rabbi, and the Rebbe's response to the request for a blessing was, In its time, this this gentleman who asked there for a blessing had no idea what the Rebbe was referring to. In its time, he asked Rebbe what is the Rebbe referring to, but he certainly didn't know what that was referring to on the bris. Was the Ito's mind with the bris was on time. The altar of his grandson, name was his name was Reb Nachum. The altar uh, asked him by his wedding that he should. Um, he asked him if he would agree to remove a. Um, he, he had a nice. Thing he wanted to wear in his wedding um, was partly silk, partly um, leather, and the altar asked him to remove the nice part. He asked him, "Would you agree to remove the nice part?" Rav Nachum said, "I don't agree. I don't want to." So altar said, "If you remove this thing, I will study Torah with you myself." And the altar said, if you agree, I will, you and I will be together in the world to come. It's quite, a, quite an offer, right? The altar was to study with him. 
the altar was going to be within the world to come. Rav Nachum wanted to agree, but he asked the Alter Rebbe, Am I, do I need to agree? Do I need to want to do this? Or is it enough that I'm just doing this because I'm told to do this? Is it enough that I that I um, just do it because you're telling me to? Or do I have to want to take this on? So the altar says that you have to want to do this. And not just to want to do this, but to want to do this with the truth of your yichida. Yechida, as in the Chassidus, are five levels of the soul. Uh, the lowest level of the soul is obedience to Hashem. A higher level is Ruach, which is the ability to love and have reverence for Hashem. A higher level called Hashem is the ability to understand the oneness of Hashem, how there's nothing besides Him. A higher level called Chaya is about a desire to be close to Hashem beyond logic and reason. And the highest level is Yechida. Yechida doesn't just mean that you desire to be close to Hashem beyond logic and reason. Yechida is much more than that. Yechida, let's say this. You could have a very strong desire, let's say, to uh, to watch a baseball game. You want to watch a, a professional baseball game. It's, it's interesting to you. Very strong desire. Far more than you want to watch, let's say, a football game. So... No matter how strongly you want to watch the baseball game, no matter how much more you want to watch the baseball game than the football game, you would much rather have a a scenario where you could have both, both the baseball game and the football game. So the desire to close to Hashem beyond logic and reason, it's not that it doesn't leave room for other desires as well. It's just compared to that desire, other desires are negligible, but not that they don't exist. Other desires are also com- competitive, if you will, with this desire. However, the last level, the essence of the soul, level of Yechida, that's the reason why a Jew is ready to give his life rather than sever his bond, sever his bond with Hashem. That's the reason why Jews don't have any saints. In other, other religions, the Havdil, they have saints because uh, there are only certain individuals who gave their lives rather than give up their religion. But when the Crusaders came to the Jewish communities throughout Europe and they said to the whole community, either you agree to die or, or either you agree to accept uh, Christianity or die, the whole community agreed to die. So where does that come from? It comes to the level of Yechid, it comes to the level of the deepest bond of a Jew to Hashem, that compared to this, everything else is nothing. So the Altar said, you have to, if, what his request is that you agree to change this, this, this nice thing you have on your, on your uh, coat, um, you have to agree to take this off with the truth of your Yechida. So, Rav Nachum was quiet. He was quiet because he didn't really feel that he meant it. He felt like, I'll do this because you're telling me to do this, but if what you're talking about is truth, I, I can't agree. It's not true. So on the day of his wedding, Rav Nachum went to the Alter Rebbe to get a bracha for his wedding. And the Alter Rebbe took off this, this patch, this, this nice thing, that a nice design, whatever it was. And he promised him that he'll have a long life in merit of giving up this patch. At the end of um, Reb Nachum's life, he decided to move near the Alter Rebbe's grave in Hadditch in order to atone for the fact that when he was young, he didn't want to, uh, he didn't want to put the patch on 
to, to take off this nice design and put on the passion, you want to do it. And the Rebbe has shared the story many times. The Rebbe explained in every generation the different kinds of challenges. And the Alter Rebbe in his generation saw that there was a there was a certain kind of clip, a certain kind of evil of pursuing clothing. That was the that was the kind of challenges that were in that time. And therefore the Alter Rebbe wanted to nullify this clip, to take away this kind of evil by having his grandson um, take, take, not, not to be so into his clothing, he was going to wear it for his wedding. And that's what Alter gave such a great promise. He said to him, if you do this, I, I promise you'll be with me in Gan Eden, you'll be with me in heaven. So the, uh, so the Alter Rebbe wanted to take away this, 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 this attraction that then existed. Every generation had different kinds of Yetzar, different kinds of attraction to, to the wrong things. As, as the Talmud says that, um, the sages of the Talmud at one point wanted to lock up the evil inclination for idolatry. The sages saw that there was such a great attraction to idolatry and they locked it up and then today there's, they don't have that kind of attraction. And they also want to do the same thing for the, the, the evil inclination to promiscuity and uh, they, they uh, did lock it up but then they saw that the world needed it because they said that even chickens wouldn't lay eggs if they would keep this evil inclination at bay. Anyway, so the um, that's the story that the Rebbe shared many times about the uh, Rebbe Nachum. And on that note, Rabbi uh, Chitrek, Rabbi Huda Chitrek, who at one point was the oldest Chabad Chas, he lived to be over 100, um, he said that in time of Marash, people started to um, be very fashionable with their with their suits. And they put in, at that time, um, the way it is today in most jackets, they put in a judicial pocket on the bottom, also a pocket on the top. And they put in a little pin um, in this in this little pocket on the top of the, uh, of the suit. That was very fashionable in those days. So the Rebbe Marash noticed that one of his chassidim who was a businessman who was wearing this, this suit. So the Ramash asked him, why are you wearing this, this uh, fashionable suit? And the Chassid responded, what's the difference if there is a pocket on the top or pocket on the bottom? What's the big deal? So Ramash responded, apparently there's a little bit of a, a joke. He said, Ramash said that there's an expression that a Chassid until the pocket, the simple Meaning the translation of this of this of this um, saying is very simple. You're a chassid up until it less it costs you. So the Rebbe Marash said, if the pocket is on the bottom of the jacket as it was till then, so then there's still a lot a lot of chassid. But if the if the pocket's all up on the, close to the head, there's very little chassid left. In a similar way, there's another chassid Marash who. Um, he would wear his business clothing um, when he do business, and he visited Lubavitch. He would put on his right. He would put on his Shabbos clothing. He wear Shabbos clothing when he visited Marash. He would wear his business clothing when he did business. But he thought to himself, "Why should I fool the Rebbe? Why should I pretend to be someone I'm not?" He decided on his next visit to Lubavitch, he's going to sh- show the Rebbe the way he really is. 
and he wore his regular business clothing in Lubavitch. He wanted to be honest with the Rebbe, to be, to be, to be um, straight up of who he is. But then Marash said something to him which actually was very, very insightful, not just to him, but in life in general, a lot of decisions that we make that sound like they're very like good decisions, but when we're trying to be, when we're trying to not be hypocritical, often it actually is, um, it could be an evil inclination to divert us more than we're really meant to be. The Rebbe Marash said to him as follows, he asked him like why he's changed his custom, and the Chassid said, told the Marash, he wants to be who he really is. Ramrash said, until now I thought that where is your inside? Where are you really? You are really the way you are in the city of Lubavitch. When you come to visit Ramrash, come be with the Chassidim, that's your inside, that's inside of your heart. And when you go out to business, that's just external. That's something you have to do. Sometimes you have to, you have to act that way to be in the round, that environment during internal living. But where is your inside? Your inside is when you visit the city of Lubavitch. Now said the Amarash, it seems that the opposite is the case. It seems that your inside is in the business, and externally only are you present here. The Amarash was saying to him that you need to um, reassess the way you look at being honest. Instead of being honest as something that is associated with um, dressing down, just because most of the time you dress down, you, you, you externally act in a way that looks like you're, you're not into holy things, but that doesn't mean that's where your heart is. The opposite. Your heart, said the Amarash, is in Lubavitch. That's where your heart is. By dressing differently in Lubavitch, you're saying this is not where your heart is. So the Amarash was telling him that he should uh, do, do the opposite. He shouldn't uh, should dress like the way he really is when it comes to Lubavitch. Who is he really? He is where his heart is. As the Valshanta taught so many times, you are where you want to be. So though externally, most of the time, he's not there, but that's not where his heart is. Rabbi Pinya Korf, which Jared said was last week, used to say that in, um, in Russia, it's very important to know who to trust. And everyone who, um, how they know who to trust, they would ask them, what do you want your children to be? If the person would say, I want my children to be to be rabbis, so although the person may not dress like a chassid, they knew that's where his heart was. The person said, I want my children to be doctors, they knew that no matter how, how chassid the person dressed, where was his heart, his heart was somewhere else. They say about a certain head of a yeshiva, that all of his children um, became very disenchanted and very disenfranchised with his way of life. And he asked a colleague of his, why is it that all of his children aren't into the things that he's into. So his colleague said, listen, you go to teach Torah all day, and then you come home, what do you do when you come home? You read the newspaper, you want to relax. So your children look at you and they say, ah, there's what dad does, and there's what dad is. When dad's done doing his job, then, he, he, then, we, we, then we see who he really is. So, so the, you're, they see you as the guy reading the newspaper, as opposed to another guy, who may be all day working, when he comes home, he's able to be himself, be able to be himself and study a little bit of Torah. The um, point is that uh, in the summertime, people often like, they uh, 
dress differently, they want to act differently. But uh, the, we learned from these, this, this, this story of the Alt Rebbe that uh, we need to be real, we need to be true, we need to be emes. In the language of the Rebbe Rashab, who taught, wherever I am, I need to be there. So even though it may seem like just a, on the journey, it's not, you're, not, you're not, not yet there by your soul, Moshiach hasn't yet arrived. However, the famous story of a chassid at Tzemach Tzedek, who came to Tzemach Tzedek, told Tzemach Tzedek, I want to move to Israel. Tzemach Tzedek said to him, make here Israel. Wherever you are, you can make that place Israel by fully being present in your Torah and your prayer with your whole heart. That's how you prepare for the coming Mashiach. That's how you bring the future of the coming Mashiach into the present. By living now, this bringing, bringing in that future into the way you feel, thinking about the future, thinking about the coming Mashiach, and living now with that, with that, with that, that, with a picture of that future. As the Torah says, make a sanctuary, Hashem says, and I'll dwell within them. Then them doesn't just mean in the sanctuary, it means within every single Jew. Every one of us is meant to make a sanctuary for Hashem. It's a real thing. We're all responsible. And just like in the physical sanctuary, there were sacrifices brought every day. So to the spiritual sanctuary, in each of us, God asks us to pray every day. Because each of us is, is God's temple until Mashiach comes. And we have to build God's temple by offering the sacrifices daily, which means by really getting into our Torah and our prayer and our kindness. As we learned today in the ethics of our fathers, the world stands on these three pillars, Torah, prayer, and kindness. And we have to build the Beis HaMikdash and point to all the signs of the Torah, this is the time of Mashiach. And uh, we just need to open our eyes and uh, see it happen. Good to vach and afraid of vach.